All right, uh, welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And we are together, Ember Weekend. We have a lot of really cool um, stuff to talk about today. So uh, let's just uh, dive right in. The first thing we're going to talk about is, I guess, a blog post? Is this a blog post or a podcast? I don't know. It's kind of a, it's like a, it's like a blogcast. Yeah. It's, the, a, uh, it's a blogcast. Well, right. the first one, the first one doesn't have any audio. It's just a transcript of half of the audio. And we, the interview went like an hour. Like, like interviews often do. I feel like we have a little bit of experience there. Right. I think this, this was meant to be like a one part interview. And then, and then Tom Dale started talking and then it was <laughs> like an hour. Yep. So and yeah. there's a lot of stuff to, you know, it's, it's a lot of thought learning, thought leadering that needs to happen. So I get it. I get it. Totally. Right. This is uh, on the Heroku blog, and we're big fans of Heroku, as everything on Ember Weekend's site, like four websites that we maintain, are all hosted in Heroku. And they make a lot of build packs and things to make deploying Ember pretty easy. And this is basically a transcript of a, at least the first part is a transcript of a interview with Tom Dale right after EmberConf. Actually, I actually think I talked to Jonan a little bit before. Jonan and Terrence Lee were the two Hirokai? Hirokai? Yeah, I think that's right. I'm going to go with it. They're the two uh, people from Heroku who are interviewing Tomdale. And they talk about a whole bunch of really interesting things and kind of pick Tom's brain about, you know, the state of Ember, where things came from. I think the first part is mostly like a history of like, you know, let's explain Ember from kind of a an outsider's perspective a little bit and explain some of the, you know, the buzzwords that get mentioned all the time, like fast boot or you know, pods to module unification or, you know, our controllers really going away, which is, you know, obviously a, it's always a topic that people want to talk about and routable components kind of similarly. And then in part two, they kind of start diving into more of the future of Ember. Chase, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, part two is um, basically all about Glimmer and where Glimmer is going, how TypeScript fits into the, the bigger picture of, of kind of Ember. The funniest thing was it started out with all Ember developers now have automatically five years of Glimmer experience that they can put on their LinkedIn profile. So yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily five years. There's there's a, <laughs> there's a little bit of change. Maybe maybe it's half of that. But yeah. definitely because of the, the patterns in, in Glimmer kind of mirror you know everything learned in Ember, you definitely know how like the project structure is laid out. The container mo- uh, system is, is pretty much the same. Templates look very similar. Um, so yeah, you do have a lot of experience. I like that at the beginning he says basically that to be clear, Glimmer is not a new framework. It is an extraction of an existing view layer. And like, I think that's a really important distinction to make. And it's like, it, Ember is not reinventing the wheel here. It's just making part of the ecosystem accessible uh, to a broader range. Um, and that's, I think that's really interesting. With the exception of uh, the addition of TypeScript, it's very familiar to Ember developers, as, as you were just mentioning. Yeah, it, it's funny that, um, so one of the things Tom Dale mentions is that a lot of the big changes that they want to do in Ember, their new kind of established pattern is to like, put low-level hooks in Ember and then experiment in an outside add-on. And then once it's stable, pull it into Ember. Uh, Glimmer did the exact opposite of that. Glimmer was like, hey, let's rewrite the entire like rendering engine inside of Ember. And then we did it. Okay, now let's extract it to an add-on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, And that's like the biggest part of Ember. Like It seems like it's, well, it's, really, it's the most complicated part. I think it's probably the the one that's most tied to the actual performance of your application. So yeah. it's probably, it's just like the hot path, you know, like this is the part that needs to be fast, period, full stop. It's higher priority, I guess. But I, I'm really excited to kind of see where Glimmer goes. I, I, I don't know when this was released, but the interview occurred at, at EmberConf, which was kind of like the first introduction to the Glimmer standalone idea. So 
I don't know. I, I feel like there's still a ways to go before I would feel comfortable using it on a personal, like a not a personal project, like a like a production project or client app. There's a couple people I've heard mention using this for like production apps, and because the isolation, I think they feel comfortable doing it because they are right. They're using it like one little piece, and if it if it doesn't pan out. They're like, well, we'll just write a component for it. But what we'd really like is to be able to like maybe serve this dynamically and then inject in the page only when needed, or it has mm-hmm. some other weird. They want to be able to iterate on that as a separate piece, but don't want it to affect really the rest of the app. Yeah, and they don't oh, need I a think, lot of crosstalk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. I that, I can totally see that, and I can also see anytime you want to embed something into. I, I think he even mentions that in the in the transcript, the first part of the interview, mm-hmm. where he basically says, if you want to embed this into a social media app, for instance it makes it really easy to do that because of how small it is and how easy it is to write the applications to be fully featured. Yeah. So it, it's really interesting. I, I definitely want to see, you know, where Glimmer ends up or, or like when it becomes this like, you know, the NPM install to Ember dream, which I think is maybe a little bit further off on the horizon, but it's a really cool promise. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where it goes, but who knows? But this blog post or this blog post, this blog cast I, yeah. This is really tripping me up because it's kind of a blog post and kind of a podcast or an interview. Uh, this interview is really well done and it has like transcripts so you don't have to listen to the audio if you want to, you know, speed read or something like that. I know that sometimes people prefer longer form content like a, like an audio or some people want to skim or, you know, listen to it two times speed just to, you know, get as much content as possible, like information density or whatever. Um, so this is a nice little mixture of this. I think Chase and I have actually dabbled with the idea of transcribing the Ember Weekend stuff, but we haven't found a way to do that <laughs> effectively. Right. Machine learning is going to be the solution, I'm sure. Like, we're going to have to find some. <laughs> I, I, I messed with Watson, the IBM Watson, and that was okay. But if I can get that working, I definitely want transcripts. I just don't want to do them by hand. Yeah, yeah, totally. But yeah, this is, this is a really great interview. It's a, it's a lot of really good insight into the direction of Ember. So if you're you know curious about what's on the horizon, I think this would be a really good uh, read, especially the second part of the interview. I think that's probably more valuable if you're looking for, you know, Ember tra- trajectory. But yeah, check it out. We'll make sure to link to both posts and enjoy it. So the next thing we're going to talk about is Ember Screencasts. This is run by Jeffrey Biles. Uh, we've talked about this quite a few times. I think it was what, like maybe nine dollars a month, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was a it was a subscription based service, I believe. Yeah. Well, luckily now they're free on YouTube. I'm sure Jeffrey would still take money. Like uh, he's probably got like a, a way to do that. But yeah, they're free on YouTube. Go check them out. They're still relevant. One of the ones we covered was Ember CLI Change Set and Ember. I think it's Ember Change Set Validations. He had a really good video of how to like tie those together in a form because it is a little complicated and there are some kind of like weird side effects. So it's definitely a good video to watch. And you know, I think they're they maybe six months old, but they're definitely still relevant. Yeah, and, and honestly, like these screencasts, I know for a fact that they helped a lot of people level up their Ember skills, and it's tremendous amount of effort to both capture screencasts, come up with content, stick with it for a long period of time, and A, I just want to thank Jeffrey for you know doing it, because that's it's a lot of work, and it's super cool, and now that it's free, I think it's going to really like open up some boundaries for you know people who want to dip their toe into the Ember pool and see you know if it's, if it's something for them. It's uh, just going to unlock a lot of stuff, so... I really, I really dig it, and uh, and if you are interested, you can find it at. Well, we'll post the link. <laughs> it's on YouTube. Pretty sure it's under just Ember Screencasts if you if you uh, if you search for that. But I think this is also a really cool thing. If someone asks you, "How do I learn Ember?" and you just know that, hey, this is a free resource that you can just take and really like get a lot more keen understanding of of Ember. 
I think it's a good uh, resource to give other people. So, so keep that in mind. And uh, yeah, we'll be sure to link it. And uh, yeah, check it out. So the next thing we want to talk about, I think this is actually going to be the final thing we talk about as well, is in a blog post by Brian Sipple called Maintainable U- User Interface Testing with Ember, uh, which is a little bit of a mouthful, but it's really just talking about a stack of tools that you can add to augment your testing style. So he goes through several of them. Um, I think he starts with Ember Test Selectors, which is kind of a way to make sure that you're you're not reliant on like classes or IDs that a designer might change and instead use like basically flags and things that get removed when the b- final build is done. And goes all the way through Ember Native DOM helpers, which we've covered in the past, uh, which is basically a way to more accurately reflect user interactions with browsers and kind of not use jQuery. Async await, which if you include, I think it's the Babel polyfill. Is that true? Or is it, or do you have to actually include uh, another plugin? No, async await should come by default. I've been using it in a couple different apps and it seems like it just works. Okay. Um, Well, I thought thought for some reason you had to modify the build pipeline. Um, There may be a phantom issue with it, but I don't think so. I think it does use the regenerator. Right, yeah. Anyways, async await is a really cool way to make your your acceptance test look prettier so you don't have to wrap all those uh, things and end ends. Although you should go look at what it looks like at the end. It makes this big switch case statement of like, of like a, a, a while loop and a bunch of switch cases. Not if you're using targets. Oh yeah, true. Well, yeah, if you're on like the latest Chrome, I don't, actually, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I doubt, I doubt anything actually supports async await. <laughs> I know. Like, I think I, does does Chrome not? Uh... I, I have no idea. But oh but, wow, yeah, okay, yeah. I should check that. And can I use? But uh, yeah, so async await is a really cool way to instead of saying you know click and and then do my assert you just say you know async and then you could say await click and then right below that put your assertion so and it makes your test look really nice and neat so i really dig that obviously talking about mirage as the the stubbing layer which i think is rapidly becoming kind of the de facto standard for acceptance test setup and then page objects which i think uh, page objects are the only ones where he uh, is the only pattern that he established isn't necessarily always a good choice because there are rearchitecting costs where if you don't have page objects and you want to do it, you kind of have to do like this big, massive set of work to get it to, you know, get it implemented correctly. So that's the only thing that I would say is kind of on the fence as far as what I'm considering the prime stack for Ember testing. So there's a concept of a prime stack. I don't know. It's probably from some article that I read a long time ago about uh, Rails has a prime stack where there's like, you know, you use RSpec instead of uh, what is a test unit. And there's a bunch of other things. And... It's just a set of conventions that you typically carry from project to project. And I think that most of the things in this blog post are really the prime stack that I would consider the prime stack for Ember testing, where I just, I know I'm going to want these things. They're going to make my life easier over time. They're going to make my code look easy, look look better and be better to maintain down the road. And I'm going to end up, you know, encouraging myself to write better and more tests because it's a little easier. Yeah, that is definitely something that, I don't think this section mentioned it, but when you make tests easier and more maintainable, you also encourage writing more tests because I know when you have a terrible testing structure, you just dread writing anything that's going to make you have to write another test. <laughs> yep. And then, no, and, and he actually even mentions that. He's like, he's like, yeah, most, uh, most Ember developers will, you know, obviously admit that they'll occasionally write a feature and then write a test, an acceptance test at the very end. And <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, yeah, but if you, if you have these like nice, nice abstractions, you can write the tests first and kind of implement behind it with, you know, like a lot better feedback loop. I think there's a lot of wins to spending time and really making sure that your testing story looks nice. 
I know I see advantages to that all the time in my client work. And then this is a great blog post. It's actually pretty long. It's on Emberway. And it, it goes into some details. Pretty much every one of the things that is included in the, in the stack of tools, he gives a pretty lengthy example or a little summary of why he, was, why he thinks it's, it's really good for um, this style of testing. I think it's definitely worth uh, your time. Definitely check it out. Thanks for uh, listening through the episode with us. We will be back next week with more newsy stuff. Uh, If you would like to follow along, you can do so at Ember Weekend, all one word on Twitter. We have a topic channel in the Ember community Slack called Topic Ember Weekend, I believe. If you want to follow with the RSS, you can do so at emberweekend.com slash feed.xml. I'd like to just take a second real fast and apologize for some of the audio qualities lately. Chase and I have been traveling kind of like at alternating times. So like when I had a bad mic because I didn't carry my uh, nice studio microphone with me, I had like a headset microphone and then we finally get back and I'm on my nice microphone and he's on a laptop. Are you on an internal laptop? Yeah, I'm like using, I'm like dual wielding laptops uh, (laughs) as we record right now. Yeah, and you're, oh yeah, and you're tethered, right? So like you have like this super impressive like mobile setup right now. Oh yeah, yeah. I got like a stack of pillows in front of me to like cancel out echo. But (laughs) but there's only so much you can do with a a terrible desktop microphone or like Mm -hmm. laptop microphone. Yep, yep. So uh, anyways, we're going to get uh, back in sync in the next uh, couple weeks, and hopefully we'll get things back in line. And I think that's pretty much it. Where, where are you at, actually, right now? Are you in Louisiana? Oh, yep, in Louisiana. I'm only a nice. little bit away. Like, I'm like six hours. Actually, it's only like five hours and ten minutes from, from Round Rock. So. Ah, cool, cool. Did you actually, did you drive or you fly? Oh, yeah, I drive. Huh, cool. That's 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 a that's an annoying drive. <laughs> oh, it's that's great. I don't I don't actually have to drive it. So I should I should I should mention that. I just get to read the whole time and fall asleep. Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Sure. You gotta take your turn, man. You gotta you gotta drive three hours, obviously. I'm getting glaring looks now. <laughs> All right, so I think that's it for this ember weekend. Uh, once again, thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And we'll see you next weekend. <laughs>